It was a great start for the McKnight Center for the Performing Arts. Opening weekend in October 2019 featured the New York Philharmonic. There were holiday concerts, circus performers, and plays. And then in March 2020, just like the rest of the world, the shows were put on hold. I'm Kelsey Briggs, host of this week's Inside OSU podcast. We wanted to know the status of the 2020-2021 season at the McKnight Center. Our guest is Mark Blakeman, the Maryland and Carl Toma Executive Director of the McKnight Center for the Performing Arts. Mark talked to us about new social distance guidelines for concerts, what the upcoming concert season looks like, and also how COVID-19 has impacted the arts community as a whole. Here is Mark Blakeman on this week's Inside OSU podcast. The McKnight Center for the Performing Arts, we're currently running at, I would say, about 90% of our normal capacity, which I think is surprising to a lot of folks. Mm -hmm. Um, As a performing arts center, knowing that venues all across the world have been shuttered, um, most people wouldn't expect that. But uh, we have worked for many months developing plans to be able to do concerts under social distancing guidelines. And um, the majority of the performances that we have scheduled for the fall are performances through the Greenwood School of Music here at Oklahoma State University. We've also been very busy developing our own digital content, uh, which we've been rolling out for a number of months now, and actually have hosted a number of private events at the center. So things are not quiet at the McKnight Center, but they're certainly not, it's not business as usual, Mm -hmm. uh, as you can imagine, and a lot of things have been put into place to make sure that we're keeping everybody safe. We're looking forward to, with a lot of hope and optimism, the time when we'll be able to reopen Um, in full capacity. Wrap up this inaugural season and tell me what can we expect for the next season? Our inaugural season launched in October of 2019. That was after three years of arduous construction and we opened with a residency of the New York Philharmonic Uh, and over the course of about three or four days we had about 30 different events Um, The residency not only consisted of several live performances of the orchestra to ticketed audiences, but a a whole host of educational activities. It was amazing. We opened to a great deal of fanfare. I think that we really set the bar very, very high uh, with the opening with the Philharmonic. Uh, We had sold-out performances all through our inaugural season. We had Preservation Hall Jazz Band from New Orleans, which really brought the house down. We brought in a London-based orchestra, the Academy of St. Martin in the Fields, with their artistic director and one of the top violinists in the world, Joshua Bell. We did a Cirque show, Cirque Mechanics, uh, last fall. And just we're having a a lot of fun, incredible world-class performances all throughout the season. Great response from the community until about March where we had to postpone the remainder of our season. So we cut short about seven performances in our first year. All of those were rescheduled into the fall of 2020, but now some of those have since again been rescheduled. On August 17th, we announced publicly that we would be postponing or and or canceling 
um, our performances for this fall uh, due to the ongoing pandemic. Many of the things that were scheduled in the fall have been moved into the spring and summer. Some will be moved into a following season, potentially in the 2021-22 season. And a few things have been canceled, but we're we're looking toward reopening the center in January of 2021. Our first performance is Canadian Brass, the top brass quintet in the world on January 30th. We have an incredible lineup throughout the spring and the summer. Multitude of uh, musical South Pacific is coming. We've got the Buddy Holly story. We have Stomp. We have uh, Itzhak Perlman performing a solo violin concert. Uh, So we have a great, great combination of programming remaining in the season. We're really excited to be able to to get back to it um, and welcome audiences back with it. I'm super excited for what's to come for the McKnight Center. And as you kind of talked about, you had some of those private events. So for the Greenwood School of Music concerts, and then I know you guys recently just hosted the Women for OSU. So what other events are kind of happening now? So we have the Greenwood School of Music performances. Uh, We have some uh, performances that we're presenting social distanced um, we didn't we didn't move and cancel everything in the fall, um, but we picked strategically things that we felt we could accommodate um, with a smaller audience. So when you when you apply CDC guidelines for social distancing in most venues, what's happening across the industry is your your maximum capacity um, is reduced to about twenty percent, twenty five percent. Um, so in our 1,100-seat hall, we can accommodate uh, around 200 people under social distancing guidelines. So that is the protocol under which the Greenwood School of Music performances are happening. And our first performance uh, presented by the McKnight Center is Sunday, September 20th, and it's a group called Melodica Men. And these are two conservatory-trained classical musicians who found this really interesting niche playing what are toy instruments. They're called melodicas, and they're little keyboards, and you blow into it to make the sound. And because of their deep musical training, they have now created renditions, arrangements of classical repertoire, pop music, uh, video game music, and they started this as video for social media. They now have over a million followers across their social media platforms and 100 million views on their YouTube channel. And so they'll be coming in September, September 20th, and that's part of our new family series. We want the arts to be available to all ages, so we developed a family series specifically to get young audiences in, and uh, adult tickets are $10 and, and child tickets are $5. And in addition to that, like we do for most of the guest artists that we bring to the McKnight Center, we've asked these two gentlemen to participate in some educational opportunities. So along with their performance on the 20th, they'll also be conducting what we call a master class. Um, which is a learning opportunity designed for university students. They're going to be talking about entrepreneurship in the music industry, Um, so mostly geared toward music students, but we hope to have students from other disciplines across campus. And then they also will be presenting virtually a youth concert for 7th and 8th graders for Stillwater Public Schools, and we'll be delivering that content uh, through uh, password-protected means. Um, So whether those students are 
at home doing rem- distance learning or whether they might be back in the classroom, we have a way to deliver that content to them in real time. And we have some other things happening. We've been doing yoga. Our outdoor plaza space, which is adjacent to the center, has become very popular in the last couple of months uh, because it's outdoors and um, that of provides, affords more uh, safety being outside. We've been using that space for uh, presentation of some different activities. Uh, L'Oreal Prima is our yoga instructor, and we do it a little bit differently. We're a performing arts center, so we do yoga with live musical accompaniment. And Wayne Bovenshin, who's a faculty member with the Greenwood School of Music, uh, will be playing drums. It's social distance in the plaza, and the plaza has become a very, very popular space, I think, since early August. We've hosted probably six or eight movie nights of different uh, campus uh, organizations who want to do a safe social activity, and they can do it outside. And we have a uh, 50-foot LED wall out there and a full surround sound system, so it's a really great way to take a movie in. I have driven past when it was one of the movie nights, and I believe the Goonies was playing. That's right. And (laughs) I was just a little kid at heart again. I was like, oh my gosh. And it sounds like you guys have a full plate this year, which is good. So let's talk about, so a lot of concert venues have kind of been struggling to stay afloat during these difficult times. So what are some ways you guys have kind of managed to keep on top of it? It's been it's challenging. You know, the businesses all over the world are being affected. Um, the arts and entertainment industry and, and sports, anything that at the core of that of a business, you know, requires public assembly has been really devastated by the pandemic. Arts organizations in particular that tend to rely on the generosity of others and often are driven by their passion and their mission to deliver great art Um, They're not there to generate profits. They tend to operate on a really lean budget to start with and limited cash flow. And that means that when they go more than a month or two months or three months without any revenue activity, it becomes becomes extremely difficult for them to sustain themselves long term. And so we're seeing arts organizations all over the world closing massive layoffs. In the U.S., nearly three million jobs related to art and entertainment Uh, have been lost since the pandemic started. And I think um, $150 billion in revenue in in about the last four or five months. So very, very difficult. We're fortunate in many ways, but much to the credit of our board chair, uh, Ross McKnight and his wonderful wife, Billy, they um, created a program endowment for the McKnight Center that uh, gives us a different business model than a lot of arts organizations. And it has allowed us to find a sustainable path forward in the interim period. We have continued to stay very busy. We are fiscally very responsible. We're running very, very lean right now, but we continue to be a very creative organization, finding ways to reach the community like the yoga that I mentioned in the in the plaza and the development of digital content that we've been rolling out and ways to use our outdoor plaza um, to keep people engaged. But it's a very challenging situation. We're fortunate to have a very strong donor base. And even though we canceled concerts this fall, um, many of our ticket buyers chose to donate the value of their tickets back to the McKnight Center, which has been a tremendous help to us. Um, we just started that in mid-August 
and um, we're about three weeks into that campaign, and I think we've raised about $85,000 to help our operations. So that's a wow. that's a great benefit to us. We're very grateful for their support. You touched a little bit on the season ticket holders, how they decided to donate that money from their tickets, but what can they expect in this upcoming year as shows get pushed back to 2021? Certainly, the quality of performers that we'll be presenting is unchanged. Uh, we're committed to world-class artists. Um, That's part of our brand. It's part of our mission. It's part of our vision. Um, So the quality performances um, will uh, stay the same. uh, And I think that there may be opportunities where we actually will have the means to ramp up very quickly once things start to move back to a more normal situation. I think that we may have opportunities to bring in artists that we wouldn't have otherwise had um, just because other organizations will be moving fairly slow and I think we'll be able to move fairly quickly. It's going to be a modified experience though as we get back into it. You know, everybody's required to wear uh, face coverings. We are eliminating intermissions for our performances so that we can minimize uh, socializing in the public spaces. Um, We've made adjustments to how we're going to do concessions, at least for the time being. We won't be doing concession sales. The experience artistically will be at an exceptionally high level, just as we've established as part of our organization. The experience as we roll back into doing live performances will be modified in some kind of way. But I think that we're very much looking forward to and looking for opportunities so that we can continue to bring great things to the OSU campus and to Stillwater through the McKnight Center through our programming. It's super exciting so much art and culture into the community, especially with all the world-class performances. That's something very exciting for those season ticket holders to expect. So kind of tell me, we talked about it, but from this point, maybe up until January, what's kind of that roadmap moving forward? You know, we're very busy, as I mentioned. Uh, a lot of things still going on at the McKnight Center. We're, of course, uh, very engaged in our industry and very active in conversations that are happening all over the country about how to manage through this process. You know, we're wanting to give, obviously, reassurance to our ticket buyers. Um, slowly, we're inviting people into the center. What we're looking for, of course, is a is a is a flattening or or decreasing in case in number of cases. We look toward our ticket buyers uh, and our uh, communication with them so that they can understand what kind of modified experience that they may be having when they come to the McKnight Center. And primarily for us, relaxed social distancing guidelines are going to be what makes the difference for us. We have a capacity, as I mentioned earlier, in our in our performance hall of 1,100 seats. And under current guidelines, we can host 200 people. From a business standpoint, that doesn't make us a lot of sense for most uh, venues. And so the changes in social distancing guidelines to where we can get closer to a 50% capacity or 60% capacity is really key for us. Um, There are a lot of things that have to happen, obviously, for those guidelines to be relaxed. Um, But that's that's kind of the key for us to be able to get back to normal. And what we want to be able to do is to accommodate our subscriber base. Um, We're very fortunate to have a really strong uh, base of uh, ticket buyers who buy season ticket packages. Um, And that is about 600 seats of 1,100. And we want to be able to accommodate all of our season ticket holders. Um, So looking for 
a time when those social distancing guidelines are reduced and gives us the opportunity to start to uh, accommodate our, our full subscriber base. And then I think that we really will feel like we're getting back into the more normal mode of concert presentation. I wanted to ask, so you talked about 200 out of the 1,100. Walk me through that. Is it just first come, first serve? Or is it just you've bought tickets for this event? Like, walk me through how you do the 200 out of 1,100. So, cu- currently, everything that we're presenting this fall is what we would call single ticket driven. So there are no subscriber tickets or season tickets to any of the events that we have this fall, either for the McKnight Center or for the Greenwood School. So you can go to our website, see everything that's listed. If it's up for sale, then you can buy a ticket to that event as a one-off type of ticket. We're doing seating in pods, um, which is a, a number of different venues around the U.S. and the world, in fact, have experimented with this very early. You know, how do you accommodate people and apply the social distancing guidelines? So the word pod um, has become very commonplace in the, in our business, and it is a group of people who have been um, sheltering together, you know, who are in some way a unit. Um, and so we're selling uh, tickets in pods of two. We can accommodate larger groups but you have to contact us so if you go online to buy a ticket you're going to you're going to be offered two tickets and you're going to have a six foot distance between your pod and the next pod if you have a family of four or a family of six who's been sheltering together we can accommodate you but you have to call our box office to be able to do that so there's a little bit of work that has to be on done on our part you know to accommodate larger groups but that's that's the approach that we've been doing seats have been uh denoted as unavailable you know based on the seating chart with the social distancing applied. And so we have six feet of distance between each pod, you know, face masks being worn by everyone. And you can contact our box office if you need more than two seats. Everything this fall is single tickets. So if you see something that you want to attend, you can go online and you can buy a ticket or you can call our box office. So since there is the limited number of seating, can we expect like an increase in prices for tickets or will they kind of remain around the same? All the ticket prices are the same. You are the executive director of the McKnight Center. I want to ask what has been the most challenging part throughout all of this pandemic? As the executive director, as the person who tends to be the the spokesperson for the organization, who is responsible for, you know, leading the organization, you want to be able to develop plans. You want to be able to provide reassurance to your ticket buyers, to your donors, to your employees, to your artists who are coming to your venue. You want to be able to plan and give assurances that they're going to be safe, that they're going to have great experiences coming to the McKnight Center. And under the current circumstances, it's just been it's been nearly impossible to be able to do that. Um, I have a great team at the McKnight Center, and they have been very understanding in the set of circumstances that there aren't a lot of assurances that can be given right now, but they have been trusting me every step of the way um, that we're going to get through this as a, as a team and that we're a very strong arts organization, even though that we're you know young in our existence, um, but we're unique in so many ways from our programming endowment to the state-of-the-art facility to the resources that we have here on the OSU campus. But I think that the biggest challenge for me is wanting to be able to confidently, you know, tell everybody things are going to be great, but they constantly are changing. Um, So you go through a planning process, you try to 
build protocols, um, but you're really dealing with something that you've never dealt with before. So it becomes very, very difficult and very complicated. And I think that it can become very paralyzing in a lot of ways. So we focused very early on on, you know, we're an arts organization. We need to be creative. We need to figure out ways to reach the continue to reach the community, but certainly the use of social media and the development of digital content has been an, a way for us to continue to uh, in, engage with people, the use of our plaza and doing social distancing concerts this fall. So it's been a very challenging time, but I'm very optimistic for the future of the McKnight Center. There's no guidebook that any of us have nope. ever seen, especially through this <laughs> pandemic. And we talked about kind of the revenue lost in the arts community as COVID impacted just everything. But has anything else happened with the arts community through COVID? I think a few things have happened. You know, I've, it's, I've seen a lot of artists find creative ways to continue to reach their audiences. There's no substitute, in my opinion, for a live performance. Uh, you know, watching it on a screen is not the same experience. It's just, it's not. It can be a different experience, and it can be really moving and passionate and engaging, but it is not the same kind of experience. But I've, I've seen artists become very creative in ways that they um, continue to reach um, their followers, their audiences um, through digital uh, formats. Um, what's interesting now is I just feel like that the market, that market is flooded with content. Um, uh, but I think there's a lot of creativity that's been um, born out of this. And I think that that's the, that's the upside, you know, to all of this. Um, the impact, the negative impact has been really uh, quite overwhelming. And um, not only to arts organizations themselves, but all of those industries that work collaboratively to support what it is that we do, such as the booking agents um, across the country and across the world um, that provide access to these great artists and the, the agents that we go to to say, we want Itzhak Perlman uh, to come to the McKnight Center in February of 2021. And many of those organizations uh, have are also shutting down or they've laid off, they furloughed employees or they've let people go. Um, so there's a huge ripple effect um, that uh, has negatively impacted uh, the, the arts and, and culture and entertainment field. But at the same time, I, I do see some wonderful creativity that's going on. I think that we're, as a community, this is a time when we need the arts the most. I think that's the irony of some of this is that, um, you know, we're hurting and we turn toward the arts um, for healing. And so that's why I think that a lot of artists have not sat idle, you know, during all of this, that they feel like what they do really uh, touches the soul of people and they want to continue to deliver um, in whatever way that they can during these difficult times. And we certainly continue to do that at the Midnight Center. It truly was the arts community and live music via social media platforms that helped individuals like myself get through such challenging times. I would like to thank Mark for coming in and speaking with us this week. For more information regarding the McKnight Center's performance schedule, you can visit their website, mcknightcenter.org, or call their box office at 405 744 9999. 
That's all we have for this week's Inside OSU podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And as always, go Pokes!